Chapter Twenty Five of the Night Horseman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Night Horseman by Max Brand. Chapter Twenty Five. Werewolf. Doctor Byron, pacing the front veranda with his thoughtful head bowed, saw Buck Daniels step out with his quirk dangling in his hand, his cartridge belt buckled about his waist and a great red silk bandana knotted at his throat. He was older by ten years than he had been a few days before when the doctor first saw him. To be sure, his appearance was not improved by a three days' growth of beard. It gave his naturally dark skin a dirty cast. But even that rough stubble could not completely shroud the new hollows in Daniel's cheeks. His long, black, uncombed hair sagged down raggedly across his forehead, hanging almost into his eyes. The eyes themselves were sunk in such formidable cavities that Byron caught hardly more than two points of light in the shadows. All the devil-may-care insouciance of Buck Daniels was quite, quite gone. In its place was a dogged sullenness, a hangdog air, which one would not care to face of a dark night or in a lonely place. His manner was that of a man whose back is against the wall, who, having fled some keen pursuit, has now come to the end of his tether and prepares for desperate, even if hopeless, battle. There was that about him which made the doctor hesitate to address the cowpuncher. At length he said, "'You're going out for an outing, Mr. Daniels?' Buck Daniels started violently at the sound of this voice behind him and whirled upon the doctor with such a set and contorted expression of fierceness that Byron jumped back. "'Good God, man!' cried the doctor. "'What's up with you?' "'Nothing,' answered Buck, gradually relaxing from his first show of suspicion. "'I'm beating it, that's all.' "'Leaving us?' Yes. Not really. Do you think I ought to stay? asked Buck, with something of a sneer. The doctor hesitated, frowning in a puzzled way. At length he threw out his hands in a gesture of mute abandonment. My dear fellow, he said with a faint smile, I've about stopped trying to think. At this Buck Daniels grinned mirthlessly. Now you're talking sense, he nodded. There ain't no use in thinking. But why do you leave so suddenly? Buck Daniels shrugged his broad shoulders. I am sure, went on Byron, that Miss Cumberland will miss you. She will not, answered the big cowpuncher. She's got her hands full with him. Exactly. But if it is more than she can do, if she makes no headway with that singular fella, she may need help. He was interrupted by a slow, long-drawn, deep-throated curse from Buck Daniels. Why in the hell should I help her with him? There is really no reason, answered the doctor, alarmed, except, I suppose, old friendship. Damn old friendship, burst out Buck Daniels. There is an end to all things, and my friendship is worn out on both sides. It's done. He turned and scowled at the house. Help her to win him over? 
I'd rather stick the muzzle of my gun down my throat and pull the trigger. I'd rather see her marry a man about the hang. Well, to hell with this place. I'm through with it. So long, Doc. But Dr. Byron ran after him and halted him at the foot of the steps down from the veranda. "'My dear Mr. Daniels,' he urged, touching the arm of Buck, "'you really mustn't leave so suddenly as this. "'There are a thousand questions on the tip of my tongue.' Buck Daniels regarded the professional man with a hint of weariness and disgust. "'Well,' he said, "'I'll hear the first couple of hundred. Shoot.' First. The motive that sends you away. Dan Barry. Aha. Fear of what he may do? Damn the fear. At least, it's him that makes me go. It seems an impenetrable mystery, sighed the doctor. I saw you the other night step into the smoking hell of that barn and keep the way clear for this man. I knew before that how you rode and risked your life to bring Dan Barry back here. Surely those are proofs of friendship. Buck Daniels laughed unpleasantly. He laid a large hand on the shoulder of the doctor and answered, If them was the only proofs, Doc, I wouldn't feel the way I do. Proofs of friendship? Dan Barry has saved me from the rope, and he saved me from dying by the gun of Jim Silent. He took me out of a rotten life and made me a man that could look honest men in the face. He paused, swallowing hard, and the doctor's misty, overworked eyes lighted with some comprehension. He had felt from the first a certain danger in this big fellow, a certain reckless disregard of laws and rules which commonly limit the actions of ordinary men. Now part of the truth was hinted at. Buck Daniels, on a time, had been outside the law, and Barry had drawn him back to the ways of men. That explained some of the singular bond that lay between them. That ain't all, went on Buck. Blood is thick, and I've loved him better nor a brother. I've gone to hell and back for him. For him I took Kate Cumberland out of the hands of Jim Silent and left myself in her place. I took her away, and all so's she could go to him, damn him, and now, on account of him, i got to leave this place. His voice rose to a ringing pitch. Do you think it's easy for me to go? Do you think it ain't like tearing a fingernail off the flesh for me to go away from Kate? God knows what she means to me, God knows. But if he does, he's forgotten me. Anguish of spirit set Buck Daniels shaking, and the doctor looked on in amazement. He was like one who reaches in his pocket for a copper coin and brings out a handful of gold pieces. Kind feelings don't come easy to me, went on Buck Daniels. I've been raised to fight. I've been raised to hard riding and dust in the throat. I've been raised on whiskey and hate. And then I met Dan Barry, and his voice was softener than a girl's voice, and his eyes didn't hold no doubt about me. Me that had snaked in on him at night and was going to kill him in his sleep because my chief had told me to. That was the Dan Barry, what I first knew. He give me his hand, and he give me the trust of his eyes. And after he left me, I sat down and took my head between my hands, and my heart was like to burst inside me. It was like the clouds had blowed away from the sun and let it shine on me for the first time in my life. 
and I swore that if the time comes, I'd repay him. For every cent he'd give me, I'd pay him back in gold. I'd follow to the end of the world to do what he bid me do. His voice dropped suddenly, choked with emotion. Oh, Doc, they was tears coming to my eyes, and I felt sort of clean inside, and I wasn't ashamed of them tears. That's what Dan Barry done for me. And I did pay him back, as much as I could. I met Kate Cumberland, and she was to me among girls what Dan Barry was to me among men. I ain't ashamed of saying it. I loved her till there was a dryness like ashes inside of me. But I wouldn't even lift up my eyes to her because she belonged to him. I followed her around like a dog. I done her bidding. I asked no questions. What she wanted, that was law to me. And all the law I wanted. All that I done for the sake of Dan Barry. And I took my life in my hands for him. Not once, but day after day. Then he rode off and left her, and I stayed behind. Do you think it's been easy to stay here? Man, man, I've had to hear her talking about Dan Barry day after day, and never a word for me. And I had to tell her stories about Dan, and what he used to do. And she'd sit with her eyes miles away from me, listening and smiling, and me there hungering for just one look out of her eyes, hungering like a dying dog for water. And then for her and Joe, I rode down south, and when I met Dan Barry, do you think there was any light in his eyes when he seen me? No, he'd forgotten me, the way even a hoss won't forget his master. Forgot me after a few months, and after all that gone between us. Not even Kate, even she was nothing to him. But still I kept at it, and I brought him back. I had to hurt him to do it, but God knows it wasn't out of spite that I hit him. God knows. And when I seen Dan go into that burning barn, I says to myself, Buck, if nothing is done, that wall will fall, and there's the end of Dan Barry. There's the end of him. That ain't any human use. And when he's finished, after a while, maybe Kate will get to know that there's other men in the world beside Dan. I says that to myself, deep and still inside me. And then I looked at Kate standing in that white thing, with her yellow hair all blowing about her face, and I wanted her like a dying man once heaven. But then I says to myself again, no matter what's happened, he's been my friend, he's been my pal, he's been my bunkie. Doc, you ain't got a way of knowing what a partner is out here. Maybe you sit in the desert about a thousand miles from nowhere, and across the little mesquite fire there's your pal, the only human thing in sight. Maybe you go months seeing only him, if you're sick, he takes care of you. If you're blue, he cheers you up. And that's what Dan Barry was to me. So I stands saying these things to myself, and I says, If I keep that wall from falling, Dan'll know about it. And there won't be no more of that yellow light in his eyes when he looks at me. That's what I says to myself, poor fool. And I went into that fire, and I fought to keep that wall from falling. You know what happened. When I come out, staggering and blind and three parts dead, Dan Barry looks up to me and touches his face where I'd hit him, and that yellow comes glimmering and blazing in his eyes. Then I went back to my room, and I fought it out. And here's where I stand now. If I stay here, if I see that yellow light once more, 
there won't be no waiting. Him and me, I have to fight it out right then. Am I a dog? Maybe. But I've got to stand around and jump when he calls me. My dear fellow, my dear Mr. Daniels, cried the horrified Dr. Byron. Surely you're wrong. He wouldn't go so far as to make a personal attack upon you. Wouldn't he? Bah. Not if he was a man, no. I tell you, he ain't a man. He's what the Canucks up north call a werewolf. There ain't no mercy or kindness in him. The blood of a man means nothing to him. The world would be better rid of him. Oh, he can go soft and gentle as a girl. Mostly he is. But cross him once, and he forgets all you done for him. Give him a taste of blood, and he jumps at your throat. I tell you, I've seen him do it. He broke off with a shudder. Doc, he said, in a lower and solemn voice, maybe I've said too much. Don't tell Kate nothing about why I'm going. Let her go on dreaming her fool dream. But now, hear what I'm saying. If Dan Barry crosses me once more, one of us two dies, and dies damned quick. It may be me, it may be him, but I've come to the end of my rope. I'm leaving this place till Barry gets a chance to come to his senses and see what I've done for him. That's all. I'm leaving this place because there's a blight on it, and that blight is Dan Barry. I'm leaving this place because, Doc, because I can smell the coming of bloodshed in it. There's a death hanging over it. If the lightning was to hit and burn it up, house and man, the range would be better for it. And he turned on his heel and strolled slowly down towards the corral. Dr. Byron followed his progress with starting eyes. End of chapter 25